believe uh, it's something that is uh, common that we all do and we all go through. And on the surface, this tendency <clears throat> may seem harmless. It may seem that there is nothing wrong with doing it, but in reality, it, it can cause a shipwreck. And I'm going to call this dangerous tendency the practice of taking a step in the right direction. Taking a step in the right direction with a subtitle of the message, the importance of going all the way with God. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord God, we just lift up this day and we thank you for everything that's happened so far this morning and your presence that's here. Lord God, I ask uh, that this message would go forth with power and understanding and your people would receive it and use it in their life. Lord, I thank you. I praise you for this day and everything that's in this day. And I give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. <clears throat> now, how many know it's always good to take a step of faith. Take a step, step of faith when we have, especially when we have placed our trust in Christ. When we've placed our trust in Christ, it's really good to take a step of faith. And as a minister and as a pastor, uh, I applaud that kind of step. Amen? We applaud that. As, uh, as men of God, we applaud that kind of step. Yet, the Bible shows us that there is a great danger if we don't follow up the first step <clears throat> with increased faith. We could take that one step, but then uh, the Bible encourages us to take extra steps sometimes with increased faith. That sometimes we'll take a step and we'll stop and not go any further. And Lot... Abraham's nephew is one of the Bible's prime examples. Because in Genesis, the 19th chapter, we read of Lot's supernatural deliverance. He had a supernatural deliverance from Sodom and Gomorrah. The angel of God, the angel of God's wrath had appeared on the scene and he comes warning Lot. In verse 13, he says, Well, we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Now, when Lot immediately hears this thing, he hears this and he immediately acted in faith. Verse 14, so Lot went out and he goes to his sons-in-laws. He speaks to his son-in-laws who had married his daughters. And he says, get up. You better get out of here. This is daddy talking. Get out of this place because you know what's going to happen. The Lord is going to destroy the city. I'm warning you, get up, get out. But his sons-in-laws 
seemed to think he was joking. They thought it was a joke. A lot of times we will tell somebody about the Lord and we, they think it's a joke. So he thought it, they thought it was a joke. And we see that Lot believed the angel's warnings and he, he takes it seriously enough to tell his family about it. This is serious stuff. I need to go and tell my family about what's going to happen, what God is going to do. Then we read that Lot lingered the next day. We started verse 15 to 19. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry up, saying, Arise, you better take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, while he just hung out, while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand. Here's Lot. He's telling everybody to leave, but he's kind of this way and that way. And they had to grab them by the hand, they, they take hold of his hand. They took hold of his wife's hand and the hands of his two daughters. And the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set them outside the city. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he said, Escape for your life. Don't look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains. I want you to go to the mountains because if you don't, you will be destroyed, lest you be destroyed. That Lot said to him, Please, no, Lord. Please. No. Indeed. Now your servant has found favor in your sight. You found, I found favor in your sight. You came and told me, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. This is great. You saved my life. You've shown me mercy. But, but I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. Now we see here that Lot knew he had been blessed with the saving grace of God. Come on, he's blessed. Saving grace of God took him out and everything else. He's living a great life and all of a sudden he said, God's warning him, get out, and he's saving him. He had been mercifully delivered from Sodom. How many have been delivered from Sodom? Mercifully delivered from Sodom, which God was poised to judge. I'm going to judge that place. I'm going to kill everybody in that place. And I'm going to show you grace. I want you out of it. The Lord even gave Lot specific direction. He said, here's a specific direction. Telling him to run to the nearby mountain. I'm giving you a direction. But again, Lot hesitated, making a request of God that was self-serving. How many of us do that? All right? Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight. You have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountain. Let some evil overtake me and die. Verse 20. See now. Listen, God. Listen to me. See now. This city is near enough to flee to. There's this other city. 
It's kind of close. I could go over there. And it's a little one. It's a little city. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And then my soul shall live. Not my spirit. But my soul. Feed my flesh. Let me go to this little place. You see, saints, the truth is that Lot didn't want to go to the mountain. Okay? He didn't want to go there. He really wanted to settle on the plain in a city called Zor, whose name means little. Little. In Lot's mind, it was a little matter to request of God. It's just a little thing I would like God to do for me. It's just this little thing. Come on, God, you could just do this little thing for me. So here is a picture of a man taking a step in the right direction. He's taking a step of faith. If Lot had followed up on the first step with more faith, he would have been on his way to a place of blessing and the perfect will of God. Now, in my opinion, it's a lot like some Christians today. It's possible for us to be delivered from our own type of Sodom. We could be delivered from drugs. We could be delivered from a failed marriage. We could be delivered from an addiction. We could be delivered, whatever it may be. We could be saved from a life of sin. Be saved from a life of fear and disappointment. And get a taste of the wondrous mercies of God. God is so good. He has really saved me. He has touched my life. He's taken me out of sin. He's saved my marriage. He's done all these great things for me. He's merciful. He's a gracious God. And we begin to hear the Lord directing us, go up to the mountain. Here's what I want you to do, God. You, you found me. You're out of Sodom. You're out of all that sin. But I want you to go higher. I want you to go more. I want you to be mature more. I want you to learn the Bible more. I want you to go higher. I want you to go up to that mountain. Hallelujah. Here's the first lesson that we need to draw from Lot's deliverance. We ought to go where God tells us to go. <laughs> we ought to go, I'm going to say it again, where God tells us to go. For a lot, the mountain was meant as a place of further blessing. Yet Lot didn't have a single ounce of faith despite being blessed so greatly, despite having everything that God did for him. 
Give him all in one. Give him a whole family back. Everything. Despite being blessed, he didn't have another ounce of faith. He had tasted God's salvation. He had tasted God's mercy. He had tasted God's deliverance. Yet he didn't translate any of this into faith. Oh, Jesus. And sometimes it happens to a lot of people. And as a result, Lot wasn't dependent on the Lord at all. We've been hearing how we need to be dependent on the Lord since the beginning of the service. Yet, Lot really wasn't dependent on the Lord. Now, you might think that someone who had experienced such saving grace would think, you know what? I've been delivered by the very angels of God. The very angels of God came to my doorstep and delivered me. God specifically came down and delivered me. Surely the Lord has his hand on me. You would think that, wouldn't you? I could trust his merciful love. You could you, you would think that. You would think that. But Lot resisted going his own way like a lot of us. Going his own way. He had no idea of the consequences of a self-directed decision. Hallelujah. And you know what? The same is true of us today. Like Lot, we who make up Christ's body have been delivered out of Sodom. How many have been delivered out of Sodom? We have tasted mercy. We have tasted grace. But do we always believe we're headed for a place of blessing when we follow God's direction. <clears throat> I'm really, you know, I, I could put my own life in this. Will I really be blessed when I leave my four children and my 12 grandchildren and my house to go to Indiana. Am I going to be blessed? See, because the fact is that some of the places that God sends us are going to be hard. They're not always going to be easy. There's going to be some rough road. There's going to be, the grass is not always greener on the other side statement. Now, as a pastor and as a minister, 
I've learned something over the years. <clears throat> I've learned something that I would never do what, they, what I learned back where I was. And I'm sure some of you have learned the same thing. I will never, ever stand in the way, never, ever stand in the way of a godly man or woman on their way to a place where God has directed them. I will never be a Laban father. You can't go there. Come on, I need you here. Let me tell you why I would never do that. Because when these servants get to the place that God has sent them, they may endure. You ready? They may endure one of the most difficult periods of their lives. They may go through things that you wouldn't want to go through. But nevertheless, what they experience is God's way for them. Whether it's to get more faith, whether, whatever it may be, it would be what it is. Me and my wife would love to be with our daughter right now who had cancer. Come on, saints. Come on. But is God teaching us to give more faith? Is God trying to say something in the situation? I've seen destruction result when well-meaning Logical. Well-meaning, logical Christians stand in these servants' way, hindering them from entering a place that seems risky or dangerous. Don't go there. Come on. Oh, what are you going over there for? What are you going to do over there when you got everything here? You got the land. Why are you go there? Well, you know, come on. It's going to be tough over there. They don't speak your language in Indiana. They don't. Oh, come on. I'm only using myself as an example. I'm sure everybody else has their own things. See, Lot, who had no faith, was drawn to Zor because it was easy. It was easy. It was comfortable. To him... It was a step in the right direction. And so we go. And so we went. Yet Lot couldn't have known the saving, delivering benefit of following God's specific direction. You see, the fact is that those sulfuric fumes that were devouring Sodom were soon to engulf and cover the entire region. You see, it's like place a, uh, picture a volcanic cloud that comes over Bloomington that affects not only Bloomington, it affects Illinois, it affects Chicago, Louis, uh, Louisville, that whole region. It must have been very much like what God's judgment of Sodom produced. That's why God told Lot to go to the mountain. 
instead of the play. Because you're going to come. I don't want to see you get this. I want you to go to the mountain. You see, when we disobey the voice of God, we have no idea the terrible things that he wants to spare us from. Eventually, Lot was chased up the mountainside by the fiery destruction. And because he had no faith, he ended up in despair. His lack of faith resulted in incest. It resulted in incest and other horrible consequences. His lack of faith. That is never God's way for us. Never. He doesn't want to take any of his children on that route. Maybe right now, somebody may be struggling here right now. Like Lot, we want to move ahead. We want to move ahead of God. Come on. And do something on your own. Uh, I could really do it on my own. I can make it. If you're there, I could only say one thing to you. Be exactly where God has told you to be. Be exactly. I'll say it again where God has told you to be. See, God told me to stay with my pastor for I don't know how many years. He told me to stay there. He told Al to stay there. Amen? Because we learn things that we would never do today. Come on. That's why he wanted it. He knew what plan he had. See, if you're not at peace, if you're not trusting the Lord in the place that he has put you, if you're not at peace and you're not trusting the Lord in the place that he has put you, I assure you, you won't trust him anywhere else. Come on, is that the truth? Maybe the things you're going through right now seem insignificant to you. In your mind, they may not be up to your high calling. I don't know. But when you make peace with where God has set you, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. You see, saints, the Lord, who knows your frame, will keep you. The Lord who knows your frame will keep you. He will instruct you. And he will bless you beyond anything you could know. When you're at peace, when you're at peace, that surpasses all understanding. 
The point is always to go or stay where he has directed you in his infinite wisdom. He directed me to stay where I was back in New York. He specifically directed me. Then when I went to the the fathers of the, my father of the faith, he directed me to specifically stay there until God called me out. During the two de- decades, you know, uh, how many know? Let's. I'm gonna go back. How many know that Jacob spent 20 years with Laban? He spent 20 years with Laban outside of God's blessing and plan for him. He he, he was, Laban's father-in-law, it wasn't even God's plan for Jacob. But he he spent 20 years there. And during those two decades that Jacob spent working for his father-in-law, he was not under God's full blessing. Matter of fact, he was in a place of deception. But the Lord was determined. The Lord was determined to change that for his servant. And one day he goes up and he tells Jacob, I want you to pull up your stakes. Go back home and get your kindred to Bethel. Jacob took the first step toward blessing. Phil, I want you to pick up your stake. Get your wife. And take a step in the direction I'm telling you to go. And he did as God directed him, gathering his clan and heading toward Bethel. And I can imagine that Jacob was glad to go. He was happy to get out of there. He had been working. He had been toiling for Laban in Syria for 20 years. Day in, day out, working for Laban for 20 years. And all the time, he continually lived in disappointment with little to show for his labors. He had nothing to show for it. You see, years before, Jacob had made a deal with God that concerned material things. He made a deal with God that concerned material things. And like many of us responsible believers, Jacob had reasoned. Come on, we reason. I have to provide for my family. Don't we? It's, it's a good, it's a noble thing. Is it not? I have to provide for my family. But, if you want to follow the route to God's greatest blessing, you must follow His direction all the way, no matter what it costs. You have to go all the way. 
but we think stereotypes in the natural, in the mature. Oh, I got my family to take care of. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to take care of them. I got to do this. You know what will happen? They got to follow you anyway. We have internet, texting, this thing, that thing, that thing. You'll be taken care of, believe me. But if you want to follow the route God's greatest blessing, you must follow his direction all the way, no matter what it costs. And now God wanted more for Jacob. I want more for you. I want to give you more. He had a greater purpose for Jacob. Come on, saints. When Jacob and his clan came to the border of Canaan, he was tired. He was weary. He had the pressure of caring for his two wives and all of their children, as well of all as well as all the servants and all the herds. This man had responsibilities that stretched beyond his mental capacities. He was also fearful because soon he was facing his brother Esau, for who he had stolen the family inheritance years before. So when Jacob came to this little town called Selah, he was tempted to stay there. And so he buys a piece of land. He builds a house. He even builds an altar that he can worship the Lord. And up to that point, Jacob had taken a step in the right direction. But now he faced something. He faced the danger that faces everyone who has taken the first step because the name Selah means safe place. He took the safe route. Selah indicates green grass, a nice home, good things. In short, the peaceful little town of Selah had great appeal to this embattled Jacob. And when you're going through some things and you're embattled, come on, the little place, the safe place, seems like a real nice place to go. I could stay there. He must, it must have attracted him the same way Zor attracted Lot. But God's direction for Jacob was don't build the altar in Selah. I want you to build the altar, altar in Bethel. And I want you to build that altar there. Because the name Bethel means house of God. I want you to build the altar in the house of God. The Lord was saying to, to, saying to his servant, Jacob, listen, guy, you have spent 20 years living for your family and yourself. Now I want all of you. I want every part of you. I want your heart. I want everything of you. You've spent your life taking care of this one, taking care of that one, but now I want all of your heart. I want my vision, what I have for you as part of your very being. I want everything of you. I want everything. Therefore, I want full, 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 full control of your life. 
You ought to take directions from me from now on. That's what I want from you. That's what I want from you, Phil. Everything. Full control. Not half control. Full control. You see, to Jacob, moving forward looked risky. It even looked dangerous. But God wanted to bless him. And Jacob couldn't enter that blessing unless he gave up his own self-made plans. My self-made plan was I was going to have a little storefront. Al knows this, a little storefront in Harlem. That was my self-made plan. Minister in Harlem to African-American community. That's all I wanted. Dance and holler and shout and scream. No, I want you in Indiana. We have our self-made plans. We have our self-made plans. Because I, when I, you know, when I was a police officer, I wasn't even saved. I, used to, I was working at Harlem, working the streets, and I'd be walking the streets, and then they have the church, you know, and I'd be at the door. In my backyard where I live, growing up, the Baptist church. The only black family that lived in my neighborhood, they spoke Italian. And I'm serious, I'm not lying. Right in my backyard every Sunday morning. See, God had his hands on me then. Hands on me and my brother. Self-made plans, we have them all, don't we? Don't we all have our self-made plans? Hallelujah, yeah. Hallelujah. I can't wait to marry so-and-so. <laughs> God said, no, no, he's not the one. Oh, I can't wait, wait to marry him. No, he, she's not the one either. See, from that point on, there could be no more deception, no more deal-making. Yeah, we make deals. Well, you know what? If he comes to church and he gets, you know, the pastor preaches one of those woo messages, he gets saved and we can live happily ever after. No. Yeah, come on. Come on. God would say to this beloved man, I want to offer you something beyond your imagining. You can't imagine what I have for you. You cannot imagine and in the process, you know what? Even in this process, I'm going to make you the servant I have purposed you to be. Not the one you want to be. I'm going to make you who I want you to, to be. Beloved, 
That is the wonderful thing about grace. Jesus not only has bestowed grace on us by casting our sins into the sea, he also leads us by his merciful grace. I read this quote, and I use it for myself, okay? I'm going to use it for myself. I'm going to put my name in it. Once while in prayer, I heard the Lord say to me, Phil, if I give you the chance to direct your own life, do, doing everything right in your own human ability, you still couldn't get close to my blessing for you because I have your steps outlined for you. Loved ones, if we're going to follow him, we need to do it all the way. No shortcuts. All the way. Not my way. All the way. That is the only path to his purpose and his blessing. In the Old Testament, I'll have you out before 12. In the Old Testament, many of God's servants took a first step of obedience. But you know what they did? They murmured and complained. They took the first step, but they murmured and complained when things got tough. Now, I'm not referring to the normal human reaction that we all have when we are in such a battle. Okay? There is human emotions and things that happen when we're in a battle that come up. When we're in a deep struggle, things can come at us fast and furiously. And at those times, we may think, Lord, I, I, I don't know if I could really handle this. Am I the mighty only one? I, I really don't know if I could handle this. I don't see how I could ever make it through, especially when it comes to your children. I don't know. I don't, I, how am I going to handle this? I don't know if I can make it through. And you know what happens at these times? The enemy takes advantage. Moving in with principalities and powers to try to rob, steal, and shipwreck our faith. This happens to every true servant of God. And Peter lovingly warns us that it would happen. He said in 1 Peter 4, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try us and to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. What I'm talking about is a heart that has become hardened. And this type of murmuring and complaining spirit is infectious. And you know what? God chastens it. 
God chastens it. And throughout the Old Testament, to see what happens at every instance of hardened complaining, God does not abide it. When he tells his servants to trust him, we are to do what he says without murmuring or complaining, knowing he has our best in mind. Israel, under Moses, is the most obvious example. The people had been camped at Mount Sinai for a year. They had become cozy where they were. The word came from the Lord, they were going to move into the wilderness. The people obey. We're going to go into the wilderness. Now, when you line up a million or more people, you can imagine the scale of this undertaking that was taking place. This great, glorious sight of a million people. Trumpets. Come on. Sounded. Banners are being waved. Ho! The church is going great! Hallelujah! We're full! Every family assembled. We're doing wonderful. Everyone was coming under the Lord's divine order. It was a step in the right direction. But after only a short time, a group who one translation calls the rabble began to murmur. These people's hearts have become hardened by their trials. And now they were just going through the motions. There we go again. Same song. Soon they're murmuring, infected the whole camp. And nearly everyone then started complaining. You know what? It made God angry. Think of it. Here were God's people who had been saved miraculously. They had been delivered from the hand of the enemy through a supernatural work at the Red Sea. Church was going great. Miracles were happening. But now the rabble weren't walking according to God's word. And because of their murmuring and complaining, God chastened them. Terrible things fell upon Israel after that. It was a series of consequences that brought, they brought on themselves because they resisted God's direction. They suffered until an entire generation of murmurs finally died out in the wilderness. And the years of service, the decades of service to the Lord, in the years of this service to the Lord, I'm still learning something. I can honestly say, I'm still being trained. I am still being trained by the Lord in this area of, follow, listen to me, of following God's clear direction. For my life. Clear direction, especially in the hard places. I'm still learning 
not to say, that's it, God. I have had enough. I have had enough. I'm still learning to say, Lord, I don't see the way ahead. I don't see it. I don't know where I'll find the grace to go through what God has told me to do. But you promised. You promised. You promised. You promised to provide it. You said that you would be my strength. You said it. You told me. And saints, that is the place of true faith. It is also where you find the rest. Find your rest by truly trusting in the Lord's love for us. And as Paul states, what else do we have to present to him but our faith? Not our works. Not my performance. Not how many messages I've preached. Not how many people I have counseled. None of that. We have only our belief in Him. And my reliance on Him to provide all. I'm kind of learning certain things. Me and my wife are trying to learn certain things as we go on in ministry. Lord, you did it again. And we said, you believe it, Mary? You did it again. You believe it, Philly? You did it again. You brought us through. And dear one, he's going to bring each and every one of us through. He wants to take us to incredible blessings. And you may have to be willing to do some insignificant things. You're going to face tests. You're going to face trials that are going to be hard, seemingly beyond your ability to even endure. I don't know if I could do this anymore. Yet, that is the training ground. As a training ground that God has set apart for multitudes of his most beloved ones. It is where we learn his nature, where we learn his character, his blessing, and his goodness. So saints, it's hard to understand that in spite of our failures, we are cherished by a holy God. But we are loved with the same love that he has shown his son. The same grace 
when he sent his son Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have peace that passes. Everybody say it all. All understanding. And we rest knowing his blessing lies ahead of us.